You may be seated. We're going to turn now to God's Word. Uh, we're uh, uh, studying together Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 4, and uh, we're just looking at a few verses, uh, Mark 4, verses 21 to 25. This is uh, the Word of the Lord. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in uh, to be put under a basket? So that's Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except uh, to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, uh, Pay attention uh, to what you hear with the measure you use. It will be measured to you. And uh, still more will be added to you, for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray together. Merciful Father, we thank you for your, your word that you speak to us. And Lord, we want to know you. We want your truth to live in us and uh, to understand um, the grace that we have in Christ that has been revealed through him. And so we pray that you would instruct us and take these words and apply them into each of our individual lives by, by the wisdom and power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're looking at just a few uh, interesting verses from Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 is basically Jesus' sermon on uh, the parables of the kingdom. And these few uh, verses I just read to you speak to one of the most important concepts in Christianity, basically. And it's there in verse 22 where it says, For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. And the key word there is that word manifest, which means to reveal something or, or to bring to light something that's hidden. And uh, basically, God is a giant secret. You can't see him, he's invisible, uh, he's hidden from our sight, but he wants everyone to know him. And what Christians believe is that the invisible God has revealed himself, has made himself manifest in the person of Jesus Christ. The invisible God has made himself visible and seen in the person of Jesus Christ. And so the only way that you can come to know God is through Jesus. Jesus is how God has spoken. Now, uh, I know that for many people, when they hear that, uh, it sounds very narrow to say that the only way that you can know God is through Jesus. Why do we say that there's just this one way that someone can come to know God? People have all kinds of different experiences of the divine and the supernatural, and why couldn't we say there's lots of ways to come to know God? Why do we say it has to be just this one way? Well, let me uh, give you an illustration to, uh, to try to explain it. Um, imagine that you were on a first date with someone, someone that you didn't know very well, and you uh, went out to dinner, you went out to lunch, and, you know, you're trying to introduce yourself to this person, and you're saying, talking about uh, where you grew up and jobs that you've had and the, the life that you've had. And, uh, and as you're sharing it, it seems like the person that you're talking to isn't really listening to you. And they're like, I don't really think they're listening to anything I'm saying. And so at the end of your story, you say, were you listening to anything I say? And the person said, well, you know, I think it's kind of narrow 
to say that the only way I can get to know you is through these words you're saying. I just have general feelings about what you're like, and I, that's generally, I don't really have to listen to the words. I can just have feelings and, and know what you're like. And if that happened, if you were in that date, what would you say? I mean, you'd say, well, we're not going to have a second date, that's for sure. And then, uh, but second, you say, you don't really care about people. If you don't listen to their words, you're just projecting onto them what, who you want them to be. You're not really hearing what they're saying about who they are. And basically, this is what people do with God all the time. You say, I don't want to listen to his actual words. He might say things that I didn't want to hear. So instead, we project onto God who we want him to be. And that is not a relationship. You can't have relationships like that with people. You can't have a relationship like that with God. And so today, as we look at these few verses from Mark chapter 4, I'd like to answer um, just two simple questions for us. How does God speak to us? And how do we listen to him? How does God speak to us? And how do, how do we listen to him? If we are going to have an honest relationship with God... We need to know how to answer these two questions. How does God speak to us, and how do we listen to him? And, and these verses I just read are cryptic. They were hard for me to kind of get what are they trying to say. And so we'll do the best uh, we can as we uh, puzzle through our Lord's sayings here in Mark chapter 4. So two questions for us this morning, and the first is this. How does God speak to us? How does God speak to us? And, and you'll notice that this passage begins in verse 21. It says, And Jesus said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Now Jesus brings up uh, the image of a lamp or a light being used as God's revealing of himself. That's how God uh, speaks. It's like a lamp that's shining. And what's interesting about a lamp is when you walk into a room and you turn on a lamp, all of a sudden you don't only see the lamp, but you see the rest of the room as well. And uh, C.S. Lewis made that point where he said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen not only because I, not only be, because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. And that's such an amazing thought. And that's, that's what's true. That's, that's, what's, uh, that's the quality of true things. You know, for example, in science, the most important scientific discoveries do not just answer one question. Instead, they answer one question. And by answering that one question, they end up answering a thousand other questions because they led to more truth. And Christianity it has proven to be just like that because Christianity is basically how does, about how does an individual come to be reconciled to God? It answers that one question, but as a byproduct, it starts answering all other kinds of questions about the world, and it creates all kinds of cultural innovation and education and political freedom and medicine and care for the poor and the marginalized and, you know, recovery programs and great works of art and architecture and music and literature. It's a lamp that lights up not just God, but everything else. It lights, it lights up the whole world. God speaks through his lamp. And so what is the lamp that God uses to reveal himself? What is the light that helps us to have a relationship with God? So if you want to have a relationship with God, maybe you're here and uh, you say, I'm not a Christian, but I'm interested in having a relationship with God. How do I have a relationship with God? Well, I want to point out three ways that the Bible answers that, okay? The first way is that God speaks through his people. God speaks through his people. 
God's people are a lamp or a light. And throughout the Bible, that's the image that's used to describe the people of God. So, you know, if you go back to the Old Testament, for example, the, the, the God's chosen people, the Israelites, were called a light to all the nations. And the reason for that, you know, the, the land of Israel, if you look at where it's located, it's right at the crossroads of three continents, of Asia and Africa and Europe. And that meant there were all the trade routes between these continents went through this piece of land. And God planned it that way. He says, I want all of these nations to interact with my chosen people because by interacting with them, they're going to learn who I am. They're going to be a light to all the nations. And then the image of God's being people being a light carries over then into the New Testament. And uh, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, a passage that's very similar to this one. This is what Jesus says. You are the light of the world to his disciples. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus' disciples are the light by which God speaks to people and reveals himself to people. And, and, you know, if you look in the book of Revelation, churches are described as lampstands in the book of Revelation. And so uh, what this tells us is if you want to hear God speak, God reveal himself, it happens among the community of his people. That's true for all of us. If you have a relationship with God, the reason you have a relationship with God was only through his people. If you grew up in the church, it's because your parents or other people in the church told you about God and showed you. Or if you didn't grow up in the church, it was because you knew people who are God's people who told you about who God is. And what, what made Israel to be the light of the nation was specifically because they had been given the law of Moses that revealed God's justice and his goodness and his character. And so that, that leads to a, a second th- way that God speaks. So God speaks through his people, but second, God speaks through his word. God's word is called a, <clears throat> a light or a lamp in the Bible. You know, Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. And so God's people are a lamp, but the Bible, God's word, is also a lamp. And it's very common for people to say, you know, I wish God would just talk to me. I just want to, you know, he's invisible. He seems so distant. And I just want to hear from him, like speak his heart and what he believes and what he, you know, what he thinks about me. And what we often don't realize is God has given us a thousand-page book of words that he said to us. I mean, a thousand pages that you will spend a lifetime studying. I've spent 25 years studying. I still feel like a novice of, of just like, wow, the depths of what he wants to communicate to us. And so that's a, you know, that's a challenging question. We say, you know, I really want to hear God speak to me. Have we studied the thousand pages <laughs> of words that he said to us, this is his heart. And, uh, and this goes back to that opening illustration that if you want to know someone, you have to listen to their words. You know, if you're in a relationship and you're talking all the time so the other person never gets a chance to talk and you don't hear from them, you're not going to get to know them. If we don't pause to hear what God says, we will not know him either. And uh, this is the light that not only explains God, God's word also explains who we are and the world is and what everything else is. So how does God speak to us? He speaks through his people, through his word. But lastly and most importantly is God speaks through Jesus, his son. God speaks through Jesus, his son. And the, and the gospel of John begins by saying this about Jesus. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So ultimately, Jesus is the light or the lamp that, you know, reveals what, who God is like, which makes sense because why are, God, why are God's people a light? Because Jesus is among us. Why is God's word a light? It's because the Bible tells the story of who Jesus is. It points us to Jesus. And we'll read later in, uh, in the Gospel of Mark that Peter, James, and John have this scene where they behold the glory of Jesus, and there's a voice that comes from heaven and what does that voice say? The father says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. In Jesus Christ, God is saying, this is who I am. If you want to see or hear the invisible God, you look at Jesus Christ. Uh, N.T. Wright, who's a, a New Testament scholar, puts it this way. He says, let us suppose that this God were to become human. What would such a God look like? This is the really scary thing that many never come to grips with. Not that Jesus might be identified with a remote, lofty, imaginary being. Any fool could see the flaw in that idea. But that God, the real God, the one true God, might actually be like Jesus. And not a droopy pre-Raphaelite Jesus either, but a shrewd Palestinian Jewish villager who drank wine with his friends, agonized over the plight of his people, taught in strange stories and pungent aphorisms, and was executed by the occupying forces. Jesus is God saying, this is who I am. You want to know what I'm like? This is what I'm like. Look at Jesus. And, you know, I've had conversations with people before where they'll say to me, you know, I'm really mad at God right now. And, you know, and usually why are we mad at God? We're mad because... Something, our life isn't going the way we want it to. And so I asked them, so are you mad, you're mad at Jesus? And they say, well, I'm not mad at Jesus. I mean, I like Jesus. And you say, why, why, what's the difference? Why are you mad at God but not mad at Jesus? And it's like, because they see Jesus, they say, well, I see that Jesus cares for people who are hurting like I am and suffering. He's so kind to them and so gentle with them. And I see that Jesus himself suffered for us. And he says that we're going to have to suffer with him. So it kind of makes sense. And so how much do we not realize that the true God is Jesus Christ? That's what God is like. Jesus is the God who made us. Jesus is the God who's directing our lives. And so to know God, to listen to God, and to really hear what God is saying about himself means to listen to Jesus. So how does God speak to us? Three ways, through his people, through his word, and ultimately through his son, Jesus. Now imagine some of you might ask, well, what about through the Holy Spirit? Doesn't God speak to us through the Holy Spirit? And if I want God to speak to me, I ask the Holy Spirit to tell me what he's saying. And um, we often have problems when we divorce the Holy Spirit from speaking through his people and speaking through his word and speaking through the gospel, through, through Christ. And we end up thinking that my emotions and the Holy Spirit are the same thing. And we all know that can't be right. Oftentimes my emotions are leading me astray. And of course the Holy Spirit does speak in our emotions. He speaks in our minds and in our inner life. And the Holy Spirit is an important part of how God speaks to us. But, um, but God's people are full of the Spirit. The Spirit inspired the writing of the Bible and the Spirit rested upon Jesus in his ministry. And so... These are how the Holy Spirit speaks to us through these three things, okay? So that's how God speaks. But that leads to a second question. How do we hear him? 
If that's how he speaks to us, how do we then hear him? And a major part of these verses is the emphasis on hearing. You see there in verse 23 where it says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus' implication is that not everyone has ears to hear. What are the qualities of those who have ears to hear? Well, I'd like to point out two things from this passage. Okay, First, those who hear God are paying attention. Those who hear God are paying attention. And when it says in verse 23, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor anything secret except to come to light, it means that who God is, the hidden secret, he wants people to find him. Even though he's hidden in secret and invisible, he wants people to find him. And uh, one commentator, R.T. France, on the Gospel of Mark, puts it this way, like the organizer of a treasure hunt, he hides things in order that they may be found. He compares God or Jesus to the organizer of a treasure hunt. And we actually have an organizer of treasure hunts in our church. Dustin Hill, who's one of our youth directors, would hide treasures around Bellingham and then put on Instagram riddles for people in Bellingham to go find, you know, a gift card uh, to something. And uh, one of the things about a treasure hunt is they are not fun if no one can find the treasure. If it's too hard to find, so no one finds it, the game is no fun. And it's like when you play a video game and there are, you know, there are extra lives or special weapons that are kind of hidden through the world of the game and you try to find those hidden things. Well, God's real world is like that. His real world is hidden with treasures about him that those who are paying attention uh, are going to find. And who are the ones who find God's treasures? Well, you see it there in verse 24 where it says, And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. Those who hear God are those who are paying attention to the words of Jesus. And those who are paying attention will find God's hidden treasures. There are enough for everyone to find them, and he wants everyone to play the game. But those who don't pay attention will not find the hidden secrets. Now, there's an important difference, though, between the game that God is playing and the game that Dustin is playing. Because uh, the game, uh, God's game is not that God is hidden, and we go on a hunt to go find him. In fact, it's just the opposite, that God is hidden, and he comes on a hunt to find us. These verses are all about the secret coming into the light and the hidden thing becoming manifest. We didn't go up to heaven to go find God. God came down from heaven to find us. But only those who are paying attention will see him. Those who hear God are paying attention. And it's interesting in the rest of verse 24, if you look at verse 24, it says, And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Jesus is using the imagery from a commercial grain contracts. You know, when when you're selling grain and you you have a a two-gallon bucket to to scoop out the grain, and, uh, you know, if you're going to buy a measure of grain, is it going to be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of skimping how much grain I'm giving you, or or am I giving you an overflow of grain? And, you know, it's kind of like when you go to Five Guys and, you know, you buy fries and they dump extra fries into the bag. That's a generous measure of fries that Five Guys gives you. And Jesus uses the image of a measure in a number of places in his teaching. And in those places, it's different than here. If you go to the Sermon on the Mount, he says the measure you use will be measured back to you. But there he's talking about if you judge other people, if you're judgmental, 
then, then that same level of judgment is going to come back on you. The, the measure you use with others will be measured back to you. But then you go to the Gospel of Luke, the measure is, is about being generous. He says if you're generous with people who are in need, you'll find that generosity coming back to you. It's the principle of reciprocity. But what is it in this passage that we're supposed to give in order to get back? Sermon on the Mount, it's judgment. In Luke, it's generosity. Well, it seems the thing we're supposed to give out here is being willing to pay attention to Jesus' words. And if what we're giving out is paying attention to Jesus, what does that mean we're going to get back? Jesus is going to pay attention to us. And, uh, and it's, the reciprocity is not equal. He gives far more than he asks of us. You know, he goes over and beyond. The care with which he pays attention to us is far more than we pay attention to him. God is far more generous than we are. And so that's related to the second answer. So how do we hear him? First, those who hear God are paying attention to Jesus' words. But second, those who hear God are grateful. Have a heart of gratitude. And you see again, verse 25 is a strange verse. This is one of the ones I puzzled over. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And you say, how does someone, the person who has not, even what he has will be taken away? I thought he didn't have anything. So how can you take away what he has if he doesn't have anything? It's kind of a, you know, puzzling over this. And it seems to me the message is everyone has gifts from God to some degree. If you are alive, he's giving you life and breath and food and work and people. He gives you eyeballs to see the blue sky and to see the trees. He gives you skin to feel the wind. He gives you taste buds to taste the food. Being alive is a tremendous gift to even just exist in such a magical and strange world. But it's possible to have all this life and existence from God and not recognize it. That is to not be grateful. Those who have not don't realize what they have. And what they have has not led them to hear the words of Jesus. Those who hear God see the abundance that he has given them and the response is gratitude. It may be that you are here this morning and you feel... A void of that gratitude. Maybe you'd say, I realize I don't pay attention to Jesus' words because I'm not grateful for all he's given to me. What do you do then? The Bible invites us into the grace of repentance. To repent means to admit our ingratitude and turn to Jesus. And when we turn to him, ungrateful and not paying attention to him, what will we find? Will we find a critical spirit in Jesus? Will we find a hardness in him? Will we find someone hanging over our heads, our failings? Or will we find the one who in love went to the cross for our forgiveness? And when we turn to Jesus, what does he do? He speaks to us. He immerses us among the light of his people and the light of his word and the light of himself. And when we experience his grace in our lives, all of a sudden, we want to pay attention and we are grateful. Grace is what changes us. And so the lesson from Mark 4 is really this. God is the one who speaks, who gives, and who initiates. And we are the ones who hear, who receive, 
And ultimately, we are the ones who are changed by the grace of Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these uh, strange words you've given to us that have been preserved for us. And Lord, uh, we pray that you would show us what it means to pay attention to your words. We believe that in them is life and grace and love and hope. And we need those words. And Lord, what comfort to think that you even far more abundantly pay attention to us. As we think of all that you've called us to do to study your word, how much more you study us. You watch us and know us. You think about us. And so, Lord, we are grateful for your grace. May it change us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.